From WBGO, this is Newark Today, your monthly look at what's happening in and around New Jersey's largest city. And now, here's your host, Michael Hill. Hi, once again, I'm Michael Hill of NJTV News, your host for Newark Today on WBGO, 88.3 FM and WBGO.org. We are talking about marijuana legalization and its impact on Newark and New Jersey and probably way beyond. Uh, in for Mayor Rasbaraka tonight is Jason Groves. He's the mayor's policy advisor on uh, a whole lot of topics here. We'll talk about some of those. Uh, we also have in studio with us uh, State Senator Ron Rice of Newark. And we also have Reverend Charles Boyer, who is all about social justice reform. And you'll hear more about that uh, as well. We'll also hear from Mayor Phil Murphy. We will also hear from a Rutgers uh, University med school doctor talking about uh, some of the issues uh, around marijuana legalization. And, uh, and it should be a, a very interesting show. We have a lot to talk about here and, uh, and about uh, some of the state uh, uh, laws that may be changed uh, and uh, decriminalization versus uh, legalization. And we'll get into all of these topics uh, this evening over the next hour or so. And we will be taking your calls. We want to hear what you have to say. The number to call in is 844-677-9283. That's 844-677-9283. We'll take your calls in the second half of this show. Let's start this evening with Jason Groves. He's the policy advisor to Mayor Rasbaraka, who is traveling this evening. Jason, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. You're welcome. What's the mayor's policy? What's the mayor's position on this? Well, first, thank you so much for, for having me here, and it's an honor to be, uh, be here in place of the mayor, and I hope he's listening. Um, so the mayor realizes that, you know, the disproportionate number of individuals who've had some type of interaction with the criminal justice system with respect to marijuana um, needs to be at the top of uh, the top of everyone's mind when you talk about legalization, decriminalization, you know, particularly in cities like Newark and, you know, large urban cities. Um, you know, the mayor wants to make sure that, you know, anytime, you know, we discuss, you know, marijuana, we think about the individuals who, especially communities um, in our city where they're uh, Individuals who still have some, um, who still feel the effects of addiction, you know, the per negative perceptions uh, around marijuana. You know, we want to make sure that we are focusing on education and, and talking to people about um, all the effects of marijuana, the things that we know, things that we don't know. And also, you know, speaking directly to uh, any opportunities that there are to uh, create restorative justice opportunities in communities. So um, the mayor's position is that we need to educate our community. Is there any concern, though, from, from City Hall about um, supporting uh, marijuana legalization in Newark and in New Jersey uh, with respect to, uh, uh, and I've heard this before, others being concerned about here we are in New Jersey in the midst of battling an opioid addiction and some people being concerned that marijuana could, quote, be a gateway drug to something else. We're spending tons of money, millions of dollars on battling opioid addiction and the opioid epidemic. And then here we are talking about legalizing a drug that the federal government says is in a class with cocaine and other things like that. So, you know, I think that, you know, where we are in um, in 2018, um, we have to realize that, you know, there's a lot of information, a lot of data out there that uh, really speaks to the effects of marijuana versus other drugs that have had severe, severe impact on communities of color. 
Um, and today, you know, we realize that the, the facts are that marijuana is not necessarily in the class, you know, with those drugs. And that doesn't uh, take away from the effects of addiction, uh, particularly in the state of New Jersey around heroin and, um, you know, prescription medications. You know, we don't want to take away from that. Um, and we realize that, you know, we have to make a clear delineation that, you know, uh, marijuana, you know, is not in those class of drugs. Even though the federal government says that it is. Jeff yeah. Sessions and so forth, they say that, that, that it, it's a dangerous substance. Right. They, they've said a lot of things. Right. And they've used those things to uh, they've used that information and misinformation uh, to to uh, disproportionately, you know, put people away in jail for a long time. Yeah, it has happened for a long time, which we'll get into, too, because there's a, a very um, interesting um uh, should I say, reason as to how we got to where we are in 2018 with the law enforcement policy toward uh, uh, marijuana. It is a, uh, it, it's fascinating. I want to play for you right now. This is uh, uh, Governor Phil Murphy, who was um, on this radio station, asked the governor on Monday night. And um, the governor has talked about uh, marijuana legalization and why he, why he supports it. We want to see it done, but we want to see it done the right way. I'm, I've, I've said many times, I'm, I'm really happy we didn't go first because we're learning from both good and bad examples in other states. Uh, and that's been a plus in our deliberations. It's something the legislative leadership is committed to along with ourselves. And so there you have it from, uh, from uh, Governor Phil Murphy talking about uh, legalization and uh, possible legalization. There are some right now who thought that uh, uh, here we are, July 19th, 2018, that given all that was leading up to this governor's race and the legislature, that by now New Jersey would have some kind of law uh, through the assembly, through the state Senate, where um, uh, both houses would have passed legislation for the legalization of marijuana. But I think the uh, assembly speaker, Craig Coughlin, when he came out um, the, the day he was uh, confirmed as the assembly speaker in his first news conference, and I was there, and he asked, uh, and we asked about marijuana legalization, and uh, and it was surprising to hear how uh, this great push that people said they couldn't wait for Chris Christie to be out of office uh, because uh, marijuana is going to be legalized in New Jersey and so forth, and then all of a sudden uh, here it is in January. It sounds like the Democrats were kind of tapping the brakes on this a little bit Absolutely. and saying we need to study this more, which is, uh, Jason, some of the things that you were saying uh, uh, the mayor, to a certain extent, uh, believes as well. Uh, Senator Ron Rice is here. Senator, we know that you do not favor legalization. You favor decriminalization. Where are the bills in the legislature right now on decriminalization and legalization? Well, first of all, the bills and committees and the Senate president made it very clear he would never post my bill, but we'll, we'll have that conversation later. I think the populists in New Jersey have something to say about that. I think that all the talk about the legalization of recreational marijuana, yes. which they're even changing the name now, they want to call it adult something so that doesn't impact, uh, doesn't make people think about the children that's going to be impacted. Uh, decrim, you know, what, what, first of all, New Jersey is not Colorado. New Jersey... We need to look at the demographics. No one is talking about demographics. New Jersey is the 11th most populous um, state um, in the country. It's, it's the, it's the has about 9 million people. Um, it's one of the, the most densely state in, in, in America. 
And so when we look at those things, we have to look at what is happening in Colorado and other states now versus what's happening in New Jersey without legalization. And so the legislature and our majority, as tightly as it is, don't really want to support the recreational piece. I suspect that the governor and the president would twist some arms and maybe tell people not going to chair committees no more or do what they have to do. And that's more important to my colleagues than protecting the communities we live in and generations coming behind us, then, then God bless them. But those bills are in committee right now. I mean, I can say so much about this, this topic because I don't just listen to people, and that's the problem with black leaders who are pushing this, white leaders who are pushing this, they're listening to people, not enough for doing their own research. You listen and you do your own research. You follow the money. This whole notion of legalization of drugs is not new. The sponsors and, and funders of this, George Soros, Sperlings, and people like that, said over 30 years ago they would spend every dime they had to legalize drugs in this country. And so they created the Drug Policy Alliance and other groups. They fund the ACLU, who are promulgating this. They couldn't set decriminalization if they wanted to set decriminalization because of the kind of money they have gotten over the years for social justice reform and economic um, justice reform. And so, so in this quagmire, but when the public, and I'll say this and I'll be quiet and listen and then I'll come back. When you talk to the people in the neighborhoods like I do, and you tell them that they want to legalize recreational marijuana, and they ask you, is it a good thing? You say no. They say, why not? And you ask them, you say, well, do you know what recreational marijuana is? They said, I think so. They didn't say they know. I think so. And they said this at one of the, the, the debates they had during the mayor's thing during the break, uh, during, during the elections. And so when I raised the question without embarrassing myself, since you think you know it, let me tell you what it means. It means they're going to put a store right there on Sanford Avenue that's going to sell cupcakes with marijuana. They're going to sell candy and gummy with marijuana, lipstick so your little kids can go home and play house with marijuana, um, sex oils with marijuana. They said, oh, no, 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 we don't want that. They didn't tell us that. I said, well, that's what it is and on the commercial side. They're saying dispensary, but it's really stores. But, it's for adult, but we're for, talking about yeah. for adults. Well, it's for adults, but kids get it because it's a store. Like, they get everything else. It's in the household. And so, so the thing, and it's marketed, so you see it every day. And so the thing is, for the community find out that's what it is, they thought you were going to buy a pack of marijuana cigarettes, like you do cigarettes, pay taxes, and go home. They did not know all these products come, and did not know there was placed basically predominantly in black communities. And so that's a whole different conversation that I believe the mayors of these cities and council people, as well as legislators, should be calling residents to meetings and saying, here's what we know is happening in those other states. This is the money side of it that they're arguing. These are the realities as documented. And this is what's happening in New Jersey right now. And here's what's happening in urban cities right now. Where do we go from here? They don't want that side of the conversation. And so I just sent 120 legislators and all of the black mayors a whole list of issues that they should be looking at. And I'm going to see how many are going to actually read the stuff I sent them. I also sent them um, what I sent for in Colorado, some of the marketing materials that will be in the households, et cetera. And so I think that this, this is a, a worthwhile conversation. I'm happy that WBGO is taking it on because it gives me an opportunity to speak to a broader audience because we can't get message out because the money people have all the money to get their one side out and use some of our organizations, nonprofit and all, 
black and white, to help promulgate this under the auspices of social justice and money. So uh, are you surprised that the legislature at this point, given the, the run-up to uh, Governor Murphy being elected last year, when everybody's talking about uh, once we get a Governor Phil Murphy, we're going to have legalization marijuana, are you surprised that the legislature does not have it, that you don't have bills that have been passed by no, the Assembly by the Senate? I'm not surprised for a couple of reasons. Number one, most of my colleagues in the legislature support the legalization which they passed of medical marijuana, we suggested right. to the governor when he came in, you fix that under conditions that we can control it. But I told the governor during the course of the election when he first said that he support the legalization, I told him he needed to slow down and do his home, own homework and not just say what the people supporting him want him to say. I believe in his heart he is concerned about social justice. But if you're concerned about social justice, we can do social justice today. You can do it by executive order. You can pass decrim bill and still talk about legalization down the road. And so it's clear to me that no one wants to do social justice. Let me tell you what they are saying to us. What the message is is that the social justice piece, there are more black people in jail for marijuana violations, personal use, distribution, et cetera, three times greater than whites. And what they are saying to us, you shouldn't be in jail. And my attitude is, okay, if we shouldn't be in jail, turn us loose. We're told we're not going to turn you loose unless you pass the bill where we can make some money. So what you're telling me that I shouldn't be in jail, but you're not going to turn, that's plantation mentality. And if black leaders don't understand that mentality because they're too young to understand the history, uh, that's a problem, okay? And if those who do understand it are more concerned about the money aspect than the harm that may very well happen to communities throughout New Jersey, that, that, that's very serious as well. You're listening to Newark Today on WBGO 88.3 FM and WBGO.org. Uh, a slight switch here. We're going to take your calls during this show. The number is 844-677-9283. 844-677-9283. What do you think of legalizing recreational marijuana in Newark and in the state of New Jersey? I want to go now to Reverend Charles Boyer, who is all about social justice reform and advocating policies um, in Trenton. I've seen him there a couple of times. And he has a, a an interesting take on the history of uh, law enforcement when it comes to marijuana um, in 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 America. Uh, Reverend Boy, your first time here on Newark Today? Yes, sir. Thank you You so know we've got to have you back again. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward. You're all, you're all about social justice uh, reform. That's why you support legalization of recreational marijuana. Yeah, and just to be clear, you know, as a as a faith leader, I come to this uh, from a theological and a racial justice lens. Uh, so my position, more than anything else, is about ending prohibition more so than supporting uh, recreational use. The same way I don't support the uh, big tobacco, uh, I don't encourage folk to go out and drink, uh, is the same way I don't support big marijuana. But I, I look at this particularly from the racist history of marijuana prohibition. Uh, and if, if, if we really understand the history of marijuana prohibition, then we know that its roots uh, are in controlling black people. If we understand the racist history of the criminal justice system in this country, uh, in regards to the 13th Amendment, we know that we were never set free from slavery. In the 13th Amendment, there is an exception clause. So uh, except 
you know, uh, we were free from slavery except if duly convicted, which means that slavery was never outlawed in the United States. It just moved from the plantation to the prison. And if we look at the history of the war on drugs, which has been the primary vehicle, which has driven folks from the plantation to the prison, uh, we can look at anything from the Nixon administration. Uh, we can look at the actual uh, documentation and the very campaign that was launched in order to bring about the prohibition of marijuana. Harry Anslinger, who was the first commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, uh, these are some of the things that he said. He said, pot's effects on the degenerate races made its prohibition a top priority. Here's another thing he said. He said, there are 100,000 total marijuana smokers in the United States, and most are Negroes, Hispanics, and Filipinos. And their satanic music, jazz, and swing result from marijuana use. He also said, reefer makes darkies think they are as good as white men. He said it was more dangerous than heroin or cork cocaine and leads to pacifism and communist brainwashing. He also said that it led blacks to think that they were uh, as good as whites and that it would lead white women to have sexual relations with blacks and then released a movie called Reefer Madness. Whenever we look at this issue, we have to look at it from ending prohibition and what it has done because it has worked exactly as it has been designed. Uh, black folks are three times more likely to be put in prison. Uh, over the issue, uh, and even though the usage rates are the same. And although in theory I support decriminalization, but decriminalization does not do the justice. The justice, it is not true justice unless repair is done. If decrim can be done at the same time that dollars can be funneled back to the communities that have been destroyed through marijuana prohibition, it is not justice. Justice comes with repair. And so this is a reparative justice issue as well that we have to look at. And if we're truly concerned about young people, all who have access to marijuana now, we should want to take it out of the black market and regulate it in such a way that it is, uh, if they do get their hands on it, it is not as dangerous as it, as, as it is right now, whereas it is totally open and we have no idea what's in it. I need to say some things. Here's what, what's concerning me with leadership. What he's speaking about, I read. He's right. But the reality is the contradiction. When you increase, when, when you legalize marijuana, recreational, what happens is the number of new users who never use any drugs go up substantially. Within that new population, you have folks on food stamps and things like that. Right now, food stamp people who are not in, in this system out there are going to the bodegas to cash the money in to get, get the drugs. So, so you're increasing problems, okay? When, when you look at it from, from 1982, yes, the Reagan stuff and everything he read, those are Jim Crow laws. This is a Jim Crow law, too. So what they are telling us is that we want money. And the way we're going to get money is we're going to legalize the recreational marijuana, which means that we're going to create new addicts in order to get money to treat addicts. That's the dumbest thing in the world to me. And, and, and so I don't see the money coming from that expect. Um, and, and if that's the money they are talking about, then he's, then, then all due respect to the pastor, he's contradicting himself about the social justice and repair at the end of that. Pastor Boy, yeah, mm -hmm. we got to go to a call here, but I want to get your take on this. This is William in Orange. William, welcome to Newark today. What's your question? 
Hi, Michael. Hi, this is William from Orange. Hi, Senator Rice. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. He's fighting a good fight. My question is, Senator Rice, we have a lot of we have a homeless issue in New Jersey. Yes. We have a lot of stuff going on. We have a government. We had a we have a governor that came into office and and wants change. So you know what, Senator, we we vote for everything else. We vote for our school board elections. We vote for our elected officials to be elected. My question is, why don't we put the 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 question on a statewide referendum, okay? We spend money on everything else, okay? Hear me out. We spend money on f politicians that have fundraisers. They don't have no money for transportation in the state. I'm a Democrat. I am always will be a Democrat, but I want to know what is going to make a difference if we put it on a ballot, let's vote it up or down. Because we vote everything else. Everybody calls voter turnout. The, 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 the governor says we need to increase the voter turnout, you know, to get to get elected. Or you know what I'm saying? Well, why do we have why do we have to legalize marijuana? Where's the money going for these small little towns? Well, and I let let me that. let me well, answer the question since it's posed to me. The reason it's not going to ballot is very simple because I raised that question much earlier in the game to Senator Scottori and the president and everybody else, they said it would not do a referendum because it will not pass on referendum. I said, well, that should tell you something right there, that you have to go and talk to the people. The people aren't stupid. Um, they may not know all that's going on, but they're not stupid. And that's the reason it won't go. And then when they start to talk about different bills because they're amending the Scottori bill now, they're still trying to push uh, recreation. I'm saying you're saying that whether the state controlling it, you're going to have the cities control it. So it means in this case, Mayor Rasparak and the council will make decisions. But there's no mandate that the city do a referendum either because the money people don't want that because it'll get stymied. It'll get, it'll get, it'll get stopped. It'll get demised. Uh, uh, Jason, go ahead. Uh, yes, Qatari's bill does speak to uh, the, uh, the opportunities for cities that do opt in uh, to the bill that, you know, if it's passed, it, it is able to regulate, you know, the time, place, and manner of the bill. And I think that, you but know... But not referendum. Right. And so, but referendum would, you know, would take away the ability to to legislate and kind of create the... Op create the, the problem. Yeah, the landscape that we want. So, uh, you know, I think that the mayor would agree that, you know, it has to be, it come through a bill that dictates um, how, you know, commerce and how the landscape and communities uh, will be laid out. But I think more importantly that I want to be very clear that, you know, in all our conversations with the mayor and everything that the mayor said publicly is that marijuana is not going to, um, you know, tear away the fabric of communities that are destabilized in the city of Newark. The mayor's not going to let that happen. I don't know Senator Rice is going to ring the bell of accountability so that doesn't happen. But I think that there are opportunities to educate people, you know, and, and make advancements like, you know, the expansion of the medical program where people can educate themselves. And if they do have to, you know, use marijuana, that they do it in the most uh, compassionate way. You know, the state's uh, com uh, Compassionate Marijuana Act right now, um, it looks at some ideas about and the definitions of compassion. And I think we have to look at uh, decriminalization and, and legalization in the same exact way with compassion, not compassion for the individuals, but for communities. You know, uh, you're listening to Newark Today on WBGO 88.3 FM. We certainly appreciate your calls. Thank you, William. And we'll take more calls, 844-677-9283. You know, I want to ask this. Uh, um, Senator Rice said that he didn't think that uh, uh, the legis—he thinks that the legislative leadership knows that uh, putting marijuana uh, legalization, uh, recreational marijuana, on a referendum, that it would not pass in New Jersey. Do you think the same thing, Jason? 
I, I don't think putting it on a referendum would be beneficial uh, for New Jersey. I think that, you know. Why do you think that? I, I don't think so, because you know, when you create a bill, you have the opportunity for, you know, members of uh, our delegation that represent communities of color, you have an opportunity to create a voice. You know, a broad stroke, you know, legalization will create um, too many questions that need to be answered, right? And I think that there's some uh, that speak to the rhetorical uh, justice aspects. I think we need those things in the bill. You know, I think that when it comes to the diversity uh, and inclusion of women in small minority businesses and licensing and, and you know, the type of uh, um, uh, commerce that we want to create, all of those things should be in a bill that represents, you know, uh, the restorative aspect of marijuana decriminalization and legalization. Uh, Reverend Boy, your thoughts? Do you think a statewide referendum would, would pass in New Jersey? Well, honestly, you know, I, I, I think, I, I, I tend to think, and 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 here's the reason I ask that. Um, I tend to think that that to a certain extent, there's a generational yeah. disconnect on on the legalization of recreational marijuana in society and and in New Jersey to a certain extent, based on some of my reporting. And I think if you were to put this perhaps on the ballot. And uh, I think it might inspire the young people to register and vote. Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. I mean, regardless of his clergy lead, leadership across the board, there's definitely a generational divide. Uh, the younger generation who, uh, who are in the midst of all this uh, really aren't as uh, petrified and terrified about marijuana as some of our older generations. I just want to speak to these issues around um, around, around addiction and making new addicts and things of that nature. Uh, we have seen, right, with nicotine over the years, a drastic reduction in nicotine use. If people don't smoke as much as they used to, and there's a reason for that. We didn't do that by prohibiting the use of nicotine. It's teens, uh, and young people smoke cigarettes much less than they used to. And there's a reason, because we handled that through public health, through public education. We understand the right place to take care of that. We don't handle that through the criminal justice system. And just like we see with the opioid crisis right now, there's a level of compassion in how we handle this as a public health issue, because white folks know that the wrong way to handle it without bringing a, a, a massive amount of harm to white communities, the way to handle it is through public health and public education, not through criminal justice. But here with this particular piece, we're willing to keep it in the criminal justice sphere and, 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 and allow our people, no matter what we've seen with, with uh, decriminalization, we're afraid about new addicts, but we're willing to promote the underground market by decriminalizing it and actually giving the underground market more of an incentive to grow and to prosper, which in and of itself could attribute to uh, uh, more users. In Philadelphia, where they did decrim, the open air market is off the chain. So we know where that leads to. It does not lead to uh, this this drop in usage and it does not achieve the justice and all it does is exacerbate the underground market. And a lot of the things that we're afraid of with cupcakes and lipsticks and all these things, if we get at the table, and I think these things are very valid 
and, and we need to talk about them. And all of that can be done through regulation, the same way packaging and advertising and marketing and, and, and big nicotine and alcohol is extremely restricted. We could do the same with this. I'm no friend of big marijuana, and we can restrict all of this if we're really serious about getting to the justice and we're really serious about holding big marijuana accountable. Hold on a second. We have on the phone with us uh, Jake and Jake is with Cannabis Cultural Association. Uh, Jake, welcome to the broadcast. All right, thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Uh, what does justice look like on this issue to you, Jake? Um, to kind of jump off of um, 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 Reverend Boyer's point about, like you said, um, it looks like when we're at the table and we're writing these laws that benefit us in a way that we're knowing where the dollars are going. We're knowing that our politicians are being able to talk to their police, to put the police to change tactics. We're understanding that this larger market is a bigger, a bigger step for us economically in the grand scheme of the American, uh, the American dream. So honestly, it's us being at the table and knowing that it's our time to really set this in a course from what we, what we originally thought when we first brought this full speed ahead when the war on drugs went full went crazy in the 90s so honestly this is it's us at the table really setting the measures and ensure that we're not left left out of the conversation and you're talking about in terms of uh, if marijuana in a place like new jersey recreation marijuana is legalized you're talking about instead of folks uh, black and brown black and brown folks being on 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 the wrong side of the law in this. You're talking about making sure that those mm-hmm. are the same folks who also benefit from marijuana being legalized. Yes, absolutely. And, uh, and I'll, to also jump on the reverence, um, to jump on uh, uh, Senator Rice's point about uh, this creating new addicts or new users. Uh, so for right now, drug dealers don't ask for ID. Dispensaries do. So with the regulated market, what you're talking about is seeing, seeing a, a large group of people seeing a, tra- a larger transitional positioning for them to not be regulated to the illicit market and to look at a, a larger op- entrepreneurial and employment uh, opportunity in the legal market. Because the prop- I think too often the issue is, is like New York has been dealing with decriminalization for more than uh, 50 to 70 years, and it hasn't worked. That the, lar- the, major- the larger of those dollars have circulated not back to communities, but to, the pol- to larger militarization of police. So I think in the, the bigger base of the conversation is if we're going to really talk legalization, we really need to talk about where this money is being reallocated, not to think that, you know, if we're going to be creating newer users, we're creating newer economic opportunities for people who are still misunderstood by this plan. All right. Jake Plowden with the Cannabis Cultural Society. Time for us to take a short break here. We'll tackle some of these other issues on the other side of this. And we want to hear from you what you think of this issue. Do you have something to say about the legalization of recreational marijuana in Newark and certainly in the state of New Jersey when we come back on the other side of this break? Ella Fitzgerald, Frank Sinatra, Nat Cole, Sarah Vaughn, Tony Bennett, Mark Murphy, Louis Armstrong, Billy Holiday, Antonio Carlos Jobim, and then some Singers Unlimited, Sunday, 10 a.m. until 2 on 88.3 FM and WBGO.org. 
2 Gateway Center and WBGO present a noontime concert Wednesday, August 1st with steel pianist and composer Victor Provost. Provost blends bebop and Caribbean music in his unique sound on the steel pan. This lunchtime show is open to the public. 2 Gateway Center is across the street from Penn Station in downtown Newark. More info at wbgo.org events or 973-624-8880. You're listening to Newark Today, and we want to hear from you. Call us at 1-844-677-9283. That's 1-844-677-9283. My driving reason to do the adult use is social justice. We have the widest white, white, non-white gap of persons incarcerated in America, and it's not all because of low-end drug crime, but that's the biggest contributor to that. That's where I start. Uh, and if it doesn't solve that riddle, uh, it's not worth going to, this, to, to the rest of it. And, I, and there's no reason to believe we can't solve that riddle. But another piece of it, and by the way, can we, make, can we regulate it? And can we earn tax dollars in this industry if we do it right? Yes. And, I, and God knows we, we need the money and we'll take that. But that's not the driving reason to do it. Governor Phil Murphy there talking about uh, why he is a proponent of legalizing recreational marijuana in New Jersey. Social justice aspects there kind of leveling the playing field. A lot of folks, though, are looking at the legalization of recreational marijuana and talking about a profit to the state of New Jersey in terms of $300 million or more. Welcome back to Newark Today on WBGO 88.3 FM and WBGO.org. We have in the studio with us Senator Ron Rice of Newark. He's a proponent of decriminalizing as opposed to legalizing recreational marijuana. We also have Jason Groves, the policy advisor for the Honorable Mayor of Newark, Raz Baraka, and of course, Reverend Charles Boyer, who is an outspoken advocate for ending prohibition of marijuana and uh, big on social justice reform on this issue. We also have a caller on the phone. This is uh, Leo. Leo, where are you calling from? Sir, good morning. Good, good, evening. good evening. Uh, I'm Leo Bridgewater, and I'm calling from Trenton, New Jersey. Thank you for calling, and what's your question, sir? Well, um, I'm calling. I just want to let you know um, I'm National Director for Veterans Outreach with Minorities for Medical Marijuana. And, yes. Um, uh, and I actually know uh, pretty much everyone that's on that panel there. So good evening, gentlemen. Um, to, uh, Senator Rice's point in regards to um, the way uh, these uh, cannabis uh, alternative treatment centers uh, actually operate, you know, um, you have to be 21 to get in and it's and you have to go through security, really heavy security, just to get in. So there aren't going to be kids going through uh, these uh, ATCs, uh, given the scenario that the uh, Senator just Okay. That's medical. No, that, no, no. That's 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 also with adult use too. There We're talking are, about like, stores. We're no... talking about stores on the streets where you can walk in and buy cupcakes. Right. Yeah. That's no, different. No, no, no. That's that's no. You have to be no. You have to be. 21. Oh, you have to be twenty-one to get that's, in, but 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 it's not working that way. But go ahead. Okay, but the, um, and so the thing is, is that I think the you know I really don't have much more to say than what uh what the Reverend was saying because I just think he nailed it completely. But I do think that the point that the bigger point that the Reverend is pointing to is something that we all need to think about, which is we have to start thinking on a macro level, something that we as a, as, as a community are not accustomed to doing very often in this realm, because ne there will never, ever, ever be an end of prohibition on cannabis in New Jersey ever again. 
we are the only ones who will ever experience this. And the decisions that we're making are going to reign for the next, you know, for generations to come. And so when you start looking at the science, technology, engineering, art, and math of the, of, of the cannabis culture as a whole, that's where you start looking at the future. And so to talk about the economic impact and what we're talking about is we're not just talking about a cultural shift in how we view this plant, but we are talking about a massive, massive transfer of wealth, the likes, the likes of which almost cannot be quantified. I got to give Mayor Barack and his administration props because they've had the foresight to allow themselves to get educated and see what is coming because this is a monster. I was summoned to the consulate for the Czech Republic to meet with the International Cannabis and Cannabinoid Institute. And they talked about how in Europe, what they did is they educated first and then rolled out the industry. And we did it backwards. Hence, while we're trying to recover from what's going on in terms of New Jersey having a police culture problem. But, but Leo, can you, ha- you can, can you have an education policy about marijuana before you... Uh, in a place like New Jersey, in a place like America, can you have a policy where you educate first on marijuana and then uh, and then proceed with attempts to legalize recreational marijuana? And I ask that because of this. If you look at, as Reverend Boyer cited, the history and, and the foundation of, of law enforcement's approach to marijuana in this country, how can you have a conversation about legalizing it uh, a conversation about legalizing it, and then on the other hand, you have a conversation about how we got started, and 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 something something mm-hmm. doesn't work there. And, and you talk about well, you talk about a, 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 a society, a, a government that still sees it as something as dangerous as cocaine. Okay, well, to answer your first part, and I get that. The answer to your first part is. Well, now you're thinking on a macro level, because to get to that educational part, sounds like we need a hemp and cannabis college of New Jersey. So that sounds like jobs to me, teachers, deans, we even got to find us a campus. And again, speaking to the science, technology, engineering, art, and math, every, no matter which avenue you choose to go down this route when it comes to cannabis legalization, at the end of it all, it points to a good decision. And given the fact that there's probably a recession coming within the next 16 months, I guarantee you that the cannabis industry will probably want to be the best things going in the state of New Jersey. Once again, got to give props to the city of North because they're taking, they're, they're, they've done, like I said, they're, they're setting themselves up to be the cannabis tech co- uh, capital of New Jersey. And I, I understand they're thinking on a macro level. This is, this is going. All right. All right, I, good. I Leo, thank you for calling. Yeah, yeah, I need to say something. Leo talks about education. Everybody's talking about education. If you're going to educate, then you have to talk about the TACs, newborn babies with TACs. That's a health care problem that's got to be addressed. You have to talk about parents, mothers who have TACs on the breast because the kids and, and parents, mothers think that there's no risk to it because it doesn't impact you because it's legal. You have to think about what is happening. The black market, contrary to what the Reverend is saying, is flourishing right now. What has happened in Colorado, they legalized it, and black folks are still being locked up three times greater than whites. 
the Mexican cartels have come in and legally got the licenses, and now they're illegally growing marijuana and sending to the black market. But what they're also doing, if you do the homework and the research, the Mexicans are now sending heroin to the streets of Colorado, so you have an increased use of marijuana and increased heroin use. The drug trafficking interstate has gone up tremendously. When Nevada them testified, they'll put it down because we opened the roadways. The, where they're growing this stuff right now, the college students going to pick the pop, pick the, the cotton, they're being raped. Now there's conversation that there are human trafficking taking place in those areas. There's a lot of research that needs to be done. There's been increased use in alcohol in some of these areas because some of the folk who use marijuana also use alcohol. And when I went out that week ago with a similar McKnight, we went to the Hudson County Rehabilitation Jail. Right. And we talked to the men and the women. And we asked them, I said, you know, I've been around a long time, but let me ask you, how many of you are here for course of drugs? Okay. What was the gateway drug that got you started? Marijuana. What about you? Marijuana. What about you? Everybody said marijuana because we know, those of us who are old enough to know, that going back in history, the folk that got on drugs, the two gateways was alcohol and marijuana. And so it may not have the same impact with the OD, but it's a, it's, a gate, it's, it's a gateway drug. And so education requires a lot of other kinds of things that for some reason the, 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 the groups out there, the nonprofits, including some of the people that the Reverend's involved with, um, some of my colleagues, um, mayors and others, they don't want to have that side of the conversation. And that's why I send all these issues to these mayors, and they're still not going to have it. Reverend, and, and what's your response you know, to that? Yeah. Well, you know, one, one, I just want us to take a moment and breathe in and hear the language being used, which from the anti-ending of prohibition side, uh, their talking points are extremely uh, like the very things Anslinger said, things around uh, uh, sexuality, fear-mongering, et cetera, et cetera. Two, what the governor said was extremely important. Thank God we didn't do it first. Colorado is a disaster because, one, yeah. uh, they did everything wrong. They enhanced the black market because they taxed it too much, so it made the prices too high. They didn't regulate it the way that they should have, and they had fines and penalties for, for youth use. So instead of deterring youth to uh, drug addiction counseling and things like that, they still made it, uh, 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 they still handled it through the criminal justice system. And which monetized made it, it. Exactly, exactly. And monetized that as well. So they did everything. And let, let me just be very clear. I did not touch this debate until the legislature put a bill on the table. The problem with the bill they put on the table was that they said it was about racial and social justice, but there was no racial and social justice in the bill. They wanted the money, but they had no justice in it. I wasn't out here champion championing the legalization or the end of prohibition. I wasn't even touching do, it. They didn't deal with, the first bills didn't it, deal with expungement and exactly. things like that. Exactly. It didn't deal yeah. with expungement. Made you pay for it, it actually. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't deal with revenue. Um, a, a lot of it, uh, uh, the, our model bill and the things we've been fighting for in the background are one, dealing with the, uh, a lot of the things that the senator is talking about around the packaging, around the regulations, uh, around how it could be used, around the advertising. Uh, one of the major pieces you'll see uh, in a couple of months coming out 
that I'm a major advocate for uh, is a program called ESPERT, which is working very good uh, in other states about screening, brief intervention, referral and treatment, mandating that in the high schools because it's best to deal with addiction through public health, not through the criminal justice system. And so, and so, so just to be very clear, Everything can be handled if we're willing to get at the table. But if we're really about justice, let's be about justice. If we're really about restricting access, let's restrict the access through making a more prohibitive regulated market. Because let's let's not be fooled. Our kids can get their hands on marijuana easier than they can a beer or a cigarette right now. That's the reality. When you legalize it, they'll get it even quicker. That's that's absolutely not true. Let's go on the phone now to the reasonable approaches to marijuana policy is Bishop Jethro James from Paradise Baptist Church in Newark. He's been very patient waiting on the phone there for us. Uh, Bishop, thank you for uh, for being so patient. Uh, Why does RAMP oppose the legalization of recreational marijuana? Well, thank you, first of all, these gentlemen, for having me. And so far, I've known everyone who's called in. Um, And it was at my Martin Luther King Day service as president of North, North Jersey that I told Phil Murphy we would not, we would not allow him to pass this bill. Um, I'm also a retiree of PSENG, 38 years retired urban development executive. And let me give you this. The first reason that it's going to devastate the African-American community, you're not going to have any jobs. There is no law and no public safety law that's going to allow PSENG to hire you. There's no law that's going to stop Verizon from not hiring you. You will not have a job. Poverty goes along, and there's money made in poverty. Where uh, are Bishop, children Bishop, and grandchildren uh, Bishop, going to work? Bishop, I must, uh, uh, Bishop, I must interject. Is it going to devastate, is, is mar- legalized marijuana going to devastate the African-American community more than, yes, alcohol, more than alcohol has? Y- yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because right now, right now, and let me give you the corporate, since I, since I did it for 38 years, the corporate responsibility. Where are children going to work? Number one, they'll never be in law enforcement if they smoke marijuana. Never. They're never going to drive it for NJ Transit. Let's stay in New Jersey. They're never going to drive. They're never going to work in law enforcement. They're never going to work in major corporations. And so you have generations of poverty because if you can't work, you're going to find yourself in the penal system. But 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 aren't you? But are you taking? But is that that approach taking into account that 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 uh, the thinking would change on the legalization of marijuana with with the legalization of marijuana in terms of. Uh, how employers look at it, how law enforcement looks at it? Totally, totally. And let me give you this. What's going to change, the fact is it's a public safety issue. Do you want someone putting in a 10,000 kV line and working on your furnace and he or she just had a joint? Not going to happen. They're not, and because of the liability. Let's talk about the public health and education of black children. We know in the city of Newark, let's talk about we had a class of 200 seniors, only 80 graduated. Our kids drop out of school. Let's talk about our culture. Our kids drop out of school. Um, Our kids don't stay in school. And there's a bunch of reasons. Poverty is the lead, uh, one of the lead um, reasons for that. The reality is you can't work. You're always going to be in poverty. You won't be a retiree or a retiree like... Senator Rice, because he and I both did time at public service, or from any police department. You're not going to drive for NJ Transit. Let's talk about the jobs that we have. 
And so the reality is that it's a public safety issue. The last thing you want, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take off as soon as our pilot finishes his lunch and a joint. Not going to happen. You're not going to work on the ports. That's real. So but Bishop, Bishop, it, Bishop, 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 isn't that a bit of an exaggeration? <laughs> the, the, the bus driver, the bus driver, the bus driver right now does not have a bottle of Ripple or Johnny Walker or whatever standing there. I want to. You're listening to Newark today on WBGO 88.3 FM and WBGO.org. The number to call is 844-677-9283. Bishop, stay with us. Jason, I want you to respond. So. I definitely hear the um, I hear the passion uh, in the bishop's voice, but I think we have to keep in mind that you know some of those ideas are, are a bit extreme, right? And that takes into account, and, and it's a big assumption that the folks in corporate America, folks that are driving these buses or in these positions, aren't doing them now. Uh, and that's a huge assumption. And let's be clear: like people that are in these roles are using drugs now. Statistics say so. Um, but I think that you know, as far as a, a medical, I'm sorry, as far as the legalization of marijuana or the decriminalization of marijuana, you know, one of the things that we're fighting for are those career opportunities that are associated, you know, with the marijuana industry. And there will be a wealth of opportunities and jobs created with this industry. You know, with with the expectation of 300 million dollars in tax revenue in the state of New Jersey year one, you know, alone, the governor put with 80 80 million dollars. Uh, to in, in his budget year one. You know, we're talking long term. I think that if we're at the table having these discussions about racial and social justice and we can get a bill uh, that includes the things that we want, I think that there will be opportunities. And one of those, th- some of the things that we want are, you know, automatic expungers and automatic inclusion, you know, uh, in the marijuana industry. You know, I think that, you know, there's been discussions about uh, models where uh, marijuana uh, impact communities in a positive way where, you know, with urban enterprise zones, right, where you have small business incubators and accelerators that are able to I, I was uh, create opportunities for people. years ago. Right, but we have the opportunity to do it now, right? Yeah, I just want to bring up two two quick points. One, uh, when, when, when we're talking about this issue, just I, I just want us to take a minute to listen to how we pathologize the behavior of black people with a little little bit of freedom in a way we never do for white folk. That's number one. Number two, the question we have to ask ourselves is, how has the prohibition of marijuana kept people out of the job market because they've been criminalized? That's the bigger issue. How many folks you you got you got a vast majority of black men who cannot get jobs because they have criminal records. Now, what we're saying is that they're not smart enough to not smoke a joint before they operate a vehicle because we pathologize black people in a way we don't white people. So I just want us to think about the kind of the kind of uh, chokehold white supremacy has on our minds that makes us pathologize our people. Uh, even more than some white folks pathologize. Well, that's that's not what we're doing, and and, and you know that's not what we're doing. What we're saying is, see, see, you you was talking about money, but you're doing it subliminally. We can take care of some of these issues of social justice and people working and not having a criminal record right now. The government can do it by executive order. You can support the decrim bill and get it moved while they talk about this other stuff. There are still issues, even on this program, we haven't even gotten to yet, we'll probably never get to, because I sent them out. And that bothers me, because they are community issues, and the public need to hear those sides, those issues. We'll talk, we keep talking about money, jobs, etc. There's some, some trickle-down stuff that happens in our communities. There are borderline stuff, depending on what one community is going to do versus the other. And so we're not handling this right. I intend to bring people together, and I intend to go over that whole list 
of things that I sent to all my legislators to have them understand what we know about, about, about the legalization of the states, what we know about what's happening in New Jersey, what's foreseeable, and what we have to build firewalls around. Everybody's trying to rush a bell over the next few months or the next year, and that's where the problem is. And that, and that goes with the mayor, and I love my mayor, I'm with my mayor, but I think that he's doing the right thing by getting more information. But I can say this, I'm going to pull this community together, and we both can sit at the table, but we're going to talk about the things I sent him. Bishop James, then we'll get your final thoughts in a second. But before that, I want to get to this point with Senator Rice. Senator, one of the things that, that came up in the legislative hearings is that with civil libertarians, ACLU to be specific, uh, concerned about if you go the decriminalization route, you're still going to have law enforcement perhaps pursuing people to write what amounts to a traffic ticket or, or, or something like that. The concern with that is you're still putting this in the hands of law enforcement, knowing that given the history of law enforcement to a certain extent in this country, that if you do that, that in itself can be a gateway to something that is much more serious, that somebody could use it as a reason to say, well, I pulled you over because I thought you were smoking pot, and it could be that, okay, all of a sudden I see a gun in the car or I see something, or I see something like that. They're doing this. that now, and they're doing it in Colorado. And the number of black folks in Colorado that's arrested for marijuana violations are three times greater than white. Do you know that? They know that, but they're not telling the people that. What they are doing is they're getting the public to think if you decriminalize, then you're going to get locked up because you get fined. First of all, my bill says if you can't pay a fine, they can waive it. So you don't have to worry about it, okay? But, but the point is they're implying that if you do it this way, you get locked up. So that's hurting black folks. But if you legalize, nobody's getting harmed. That's not true. Marijuana, I'm not talking guns. I'm talking about the number of black folks in Colorado today are three times greater. That means there's something wrong with the system. The system is biased, and we should continue, particularly as black leaders, clergy and all, attack the system of racism. And that's why this is a Jim Crow law, but it's being sold under the auspices of social justice and black folk and white folks and people who want to make money are buying into it. Bishop, James, uh, your final thoughts, sir. Yes. Well, first of all, I agree with Senator Rice because we know in Colorado, 58% of African-American youth are, um, are, are being expelled from school, locked up. So you come out with a 58% juvie record. We also know in Colorado that there's an increase. You want to talk about public health, that there's a 70% increase and poisoning and pediatrics, and this comes from the Colorado Public Health, especially in our community. And then the last piece of this, even in the governor's own backyard, his particular municipality, there are already 38 municipalities that say NIMBY, you're not going to sell this in my backyard. You can go to Newark, Patterson, Camden, Elizabeth, any place that we are, and Trenton, and, and see all the liquor stores. And if you just take a ride up 280 in Parsippany, can't find them. And so the reality is that this is, again, a tool to devastate our community, to devastate our children. And it is a public health issue because we know that the brain is still developing. We know that our babies, more than likely, are going to be born. I mean, there's all kinds of health issues. And so an industry that would kill off our community and for anyone that thinks any governor is going to give us reparations, it's never going to happen. Remember, Bishop, the lottery was going to solve 
our problems. Bishop James, thank you very much for your patience, sir, and for contributing to this broadcast. We have another caller on the line. Let's get to that. Who's calling us? And tell us where you're from, please. My name is Dr. Jacqueline McGibbony. At this time, I'm listening to your broadcast in uh, Brooklyn, but I lived in uh, East Orange for 20-something years. I wanted to address two things. First, the bishop, when he was saying how people are going to go willy-nilly, I take that as an insult. When prohibition uh, was about, did you see people of color? And they were bootlegging, running around, staggering all through the streets. Just because it's available and legal doesn't mean that we're going to lose our wits. First of all, it's going to take away the enchantment from the young people because it's no longer taboo. Second of all, with it being legal, the taxes can be used for our schools. Then the young men will not be on the streets trying to make a dollar. And yes, we have a lot of young men who their, their lives have been ruined because of improper um, incarceration, uh, uh, incarceration for nonviolent uh, selling of marijuana, whatever, drug abuse. Those should, they should be released. Their records expunged so that they can start a life because, first of all, it's illegal because the government couldn't get in it and get his hands on it in the first place, just like they did with uh, uh, prohibition. Now the government can get his taxes, so it's illegal. Come on, this is a forest. This is nothing but politics. As far as it bringing down our our environment, our communities, you let the liquor stores in there. You should be out there going to committee meetings and saying, we don't want this amount of, of, of issues in our community, just like other ethnic groups do. You have to take responsibility. You don't sit back and say, oh, well, it's a lot of liquor stores over here, but it's not a lot over there. Yeah, because it's allowed. So Doctor. if you sit there and don't do anything and say, no, we don't want this in our community. Doctor, thank you. Doctor, thank you very much for listening and for calling in from Brooklyn. We appreciate you. Senator Rice, I want to get your response to the doctor's questions and concerns there. Well, the doctor's right, and I've always said that we allow things in our community that shouldn't be there, and the way we allow alcohol to um, be on every corner and bodegas every other block that's taking people food stamps and welfare checks and cashing them and some are drug fronts and stuff like that, we tolerate too much. Other communities don't. It's going to be the same thing on the legalization of recreational marijuana because throughout the country it's being put in black communities. So our kids will be going to school and they'll be looking at stores that sell these products. They'll be looking at liquor stores. They'll be looking at all the hanging out. The, the street corner stuff is not going any place because there's potency involved with this. And as the pastor says, a lot of education and things have to be done. That can't be done in terms of pulling all the elements together in a year or two. And so I, I agree with the doctor to some degree. But because we're, we, we are a more enlightened society, because we think we are, and we have the opportunity to regulate this and to set laws and so forth uh, like that, isn't there an opportunity to prevent, if we were to legalize recreational marijuana, to prevent what we're seeing that has happened with alcohol in terms of it being on almost every street corner well, in African There's an opportunity if you're going to address the other issues that we never get to, okay? The issue in cities like Newark, jobs, housing, health care, education, we never address those issues from the legislature now. When we said we're going to dedicate money, we dedicated money, my money, on my bill to lead paint. And the money went to general revenue, so we still have our babies put lead. 
When it comes to cities like Newark, we lead in asthma rates, infant mortality, lead um, poisoning, and every other time environmental problem. We lead in foreclosure. We're trying to build a city, and we're talking about putting stores out there to sell um, marijuana, which means the renaissance is going to go backwards in this city. Uh, Jason, your final thoughts. we got uh, less than a minute. You know, the mayor has... Um the mayor has uh, gained a lot of support from the anchor institutions, you know, the major corporations here. Uh, one of the things that has been consistent about, you know, their their commentary on the mayor is that he's an amazing leader, right? And I think that we should uh, keep in mind that he's not going to let a substance like marijuana divide uh, divide this community. Reverend Boy, your final thoughts, quickly, please. Uh, yeah, just 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 quickly, I just want to say that uh, there is there's a major generational divide here, because a lot of the older generation really took their eyes off the ball. When, when hundreds of thousands of us were being shuffled into prisons by taking a get tough criminal justice stance on something that should have been handled through addiction and public health. Marijuana legalization on Newark Today on WBGO 88.3 FM. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Reverend Boyer. Thank you, Senator Rice. I'm your host, Michael Hill. Thank you to the guests here. Thank you to the staff, Ang Santos on the phones, Corey Goldberg on operations, Alexandra Hill, the producer, Doug Doyle, the executive producer, Amy Niles, our general manager here. This is WBGO Newark.